Hello, welcome to The X Show with Tony Shu. I am here with my wonderful co-host, Donna Shu. Say hi. Hello. Hello, everybody, to you too. <laughs> and I have a fantastic person here to interview with us. We have Dana with Blossom Rag Dolls, all the way from Tool, Texas. Uh, can you introduce yourself a little bit, Dana? Hi, Tony and Donna. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, what an honor it is. And so much fun to talk um, with you today. I am Blossom Ragdolls. Um, it is um, a suburb of Dallas, Texas. And um, I have now been doing Blossom Ragdolls, breeding the highest quality ragdoll cats um, for 18 years. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's been quite impressive. And before that, you did something related to horses, right? I did. Um, I was a horseman, actually. Um, since a, a child, um, I started riding at the age of seven and kind of knew what I wanted to do um, when I was seven and I was very serious about it and rode all of my life. Rode with an Olympic coach. Um, I did dressage and jumping and then um, I taught riding um, with my own equestrian center and did 20 years of horse-drawn carriage company in downtown Dallas. Oh. And then I went to ragdoll cats because as I did all of the horse life um, I had ragdolls in my home as spayed and neutered pets for 20 years I've been with the ragdoll breed for 40 over 40 years wow that's quite an impressive quite impressive time to spend with ragdolls and that's um, what we're here to interview Dana with about um, as I'm sure and I'm sure you know this listener that she has an immense amount of dedication and an immense amount of uh, well skill and heart towards animals and we're here to talk to her about well how exactly one find, goes about finding that passion in life how exactly one goes about finding that purpose in their work as uh, Dana has and she I, I mean she, I've I've seen her place I actually have uh, my own cat from her picked her up uh, I think two weeks ago and uh, has been fantastic. So I can personally affirm you, listener, that she does an excellent job. So, first of all, can oh, you... That's, that's awesome. Um, <laughs> yeah, we do have um, a perfect history together to speak on this. Quite so, quite so. So let's let's start from the beginning. Um, can you, you mind, I know you talked about a little bit. Can you share a little bit more of your personal story about how exactly it is that you came to really get involved with animals and really care for animals and breed them all of your life? Um, well, I was, I always, like I was saying, kind of knew from a young child what I wanted to do, that I was an animal person. I was an only child, and so animals were kind of my um, passion. They're what I put all my time into. I, um, I did have a lot of friends that I rode horses with, but so I just ended up finding friends to, to live my passion with, even as a child. Um, I rode horses with my friends. So that just developed into um, a lot just spending my whole life with it. Um, I just know, I personally have known nothing else. Um, so it was kind of a, an, easy, an easy decision to see that I was good at it. Um, and um, so that's just a blessing to see that or, and to really know from a young child what I was good at. Mm. 
That's great. That's great. So uh, when did you make that kind of transition to, you know, spending so much time with horses and animals throughout your life into really making this more of a something that you can make a livelihood from? Yeah. Um, it's all the time put into it. Um, as um, a young child um, committing my life to it and then turning it into um, my professional life. Um, and I will say that that choice of following a passion um, to be your professional life is not an easy, um, and I'll say not an easy financial decision. Um, it's developing your own company, um, no matter what the industry is, uh, mine just happened to be animals, um, but this could happen for anyone to turn your life passion into your profession. But it is, it takes uh, determination because it's you're, you're building a business. So it, mm -hmm. it isn't something that happens quickly financially. So you have to be committed to it um, even when it's very tough. So um, that is the hard part about turning a passion, what I did all of my life, into my profession mm -hmm. is the hard part is financial um, because you stick out the hard times. So most people, um, and I did um, even when I first started, well, I actually, when I, when I first started 18, 20 years ago, I had... Um, a husband's uh, financial partnership so that can be anyone's um, mm -hmm. help them get going also if they're married and just to have someone's financial backing or or either a different job um, of course then that makes it tough on the person starting the starting the, the, the business of passion to have to work another job and as and then dedicate time into the new business of course is hard but a lot of people do it so there's a couple of different ways but you just have to have some kind of financial backing to to support yourself whether it be another person or another job um, at, at the beginning so that's why a lot of people don't do it um, is because they fear they can't get started mm. um, and um, they, they can't um, they can uh, out of a lot of hard work and determination. Uh, maybe, maybe if you have to work two jobs or the the one job that supports you, and then work on the job of the passion. Maybe it's an art, someone that's an artist, or someone that's a that does um, even computer work um, as their passion, and then they're trying to build a business. So you just invest time into the the new company as you're able. Um, so. Hmm. I, so um, it just takes a lot of work and determination. In my case, in the animal industry, it's even harder um, than other business choices that don't eat your profit. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, <laughs> starting any kind of animal business is probably one of the toughest things to start because they eat twenty. Uh, they eat 365 days a, a year. Um, they eat every day, whether you're making money or not. So exactly. Um, and then 
it's constantly putting out putting out money for food for whatever animal it is so horses or cats or dogs or whatever the animal business is animal industry is probably one of the toughest to succeed at because um of them eating our profit now so the animal industry quite often is always quite often is called um, a labor of love because we don't normally make as much money as other companies um, mm-hmm. because of the, the lack of profit margin so um, mm-hmm. but it is a very big decision of passion to get into animal um, animal work anyone who does it knows that we don't make a lot of money doing it but we wouldn't trade it for anything because it's it's our heart it's our love it's our it's it's our it's a really big passion full of love um to work with animals so um the love that we get from doing it and it's a lot of hard work um, also don't get me wrong it's not all just fluff of love it's a lot of hard work with animals because um any animal work is constant cleaning um, to do it right is to keep them correctly, keep, to keep them properly, um, to not overcrowd them, to, to know what you're doing, to get an education, whatever animal it is you choose, um, to really know what you're doing. Um, so anyway, that's just the animal industry in, in, um, in particular that it is very difficult financially, but it's full of love, but it's also a lot of hard work, but so it, it, it's a, it's a, a, a business of, of, of a heart of love to work with animals because it's never going to pay a lot because they, they eat our money. <laughs> mm-hmm. Literally, they eat the money. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So um, after you've started the business and you kind of get the ball rolling, other than like the actual food, what would you say was one of the biggest challenges like with clients or with perception of being a breeder versus, you know, like the, like animal shelters. Like, I just kind of wanted to hear your input on those, I guess they're not hot button topics, but it does come up. Like why people ask me, like, why did you buy rather than adopt? Was like, I said, I wanted a rag doll. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that is the most wonderful question. I'm so glad that you asked that. Um, because, um, what I'm going to say may sound a bit harsh, but there's no other way to say it, and it's and it's really the truth. Mm-hmm. Um, the concept of adopt, don't shop um, is really a wrong and very sad concept, and here's why. Um, people that are saying that, of course, we all, myself included, I, we all love for the um, animals to be adopted from the shelters, of course. Mm-hmm. But people also, the entire general public has a right to have a pedigree animal, no matter what it is, horse, dog, or cat, or any other animal that is um, very carefully thought out and bred properly. Now, I'm not saying to support the um, the puppy mills and kitten mm-hmm. mills. Mm-hmm. No one dislikes that junk more than me. Mm-hmm. Um, I work hard to do it right and keep everything absolutely beautiful um, at Blossom Rackles. Um, 
And so the kitten mills and puppy mill people, the bad breeders, are giving all of us a bad name when we're not all bad. And so um, not at all. Um, Mm -hmm. We're actually stark opposite ends of the spectrum of we're actually extremely dynamic and beautiful places that we supply and keep work very hard at um, to have our animals live in luxury. Um, So the general public doesn't know what they're saying when they believe that all breeders are bad. That is the problem of what we're talking about. Mm -hmm. That's the problem of of the question here of why people believe that no one should buy from a breeder. We are not all the same, and there's good ones and there's bad ones. There's bad apples in every industry on the planet. It doesn't mean that we lump the whole industry into being bad. Absolutely. that's That's what they're doing with breeding. So it's gotten to be out of hand. It's like a wildfire that is really hurting the good guys. And so it's really important that we good guys not quit because we are showing the world that that they are really believing something that they're not as educated as they may think they are. They don't know what they're saying. Also, they don't really realize what they're saying to adopt, don't shop. Really? Are you really saying to, that no one has a that, that, that we don't want pedigree animals on the planet? Are you really? And that's what they're saying. That breed that there should be no breeders. Um, so so you don't want German Shepherd dogs. You don't want um, Jack Russells. You don't want um, wonderful quarter horses. You don't want um, all of these different pedigree animals. All of the different the, the Persian cat, the the Bengal cat, the you know long hair, short hair cats of all kinds. Go to a cat show. There's cat shows um, all over the, the world. There is a cat registry that I register my cats with. It's called mm-hmm. Tika.org. Mm-hmm. Tika is the International Cat Association.org. Go to Tika.org and go to the show calendar. If, if you are a cat lover, go to, go to the cat calendar, the show calendar, and... Try to find a show that's near you throughout the year. Um, they're all over the country, all over the world, actually. Um, so there's also other cat registry associations that are just as good. And um, all of the great cat registry associations um, are really doing a great job at promoting the reality of great pedigree cats. Um, so we are great breeders. We also do love um getting kittens adopted from the rescue centers but the concept of um there should be no breeders um is really being said out of these people not being educated they really don't how can anyone mean that they don't want pedigree animals Mm. on the planet that's what that's what it means to not have any breeders um so also just so you realize the shelters have unwanted animals from bad pet owners, not bad breeders. Mm-hmm. The majority of the rescue centers are full of individual people that that abandoned their animals. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so it's because of bad owners, um, not bad breeders. And we have magnificent families that come to us from all over the world um, and 
know the ragdoll breed, the ragdoll is very popular because they're a very sweet cat and it's very genuine that they are more like a dog because they follow you around. People don't know that a cat, um, some people have misconceptions of a cat. Um, they think that they all go run and hide. So they say, oh, I don't like a cat. I like a dog. Well, a ragdoll is like a dog. It's actually called the puppy kitty. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And uh, they they follow. They have a literally have a personality that they like to be with their family. They like to follow you around everywhere. Yeah. And um, and so they are called the puppy kitty, and they like to be with their family. So um, there are breeds of cats, the ragdoll being one of them, and there are a lot of other great breeds. Um, so a lot of breeds of cats like to really stay out and lay around with their family. The, all the bad experiences with cats that people have had where the cats go run and hide and don't come out, stay under the bed and whatever. And that, that's just not a good experience. So there's better experiences with better breeds. So the, 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 the breeders of cat, dog, or horse, um, we are all actually um, breed per con- conservative, con- conserv- conservators. We are conserving the breed that we love and we're giving back to the breed that has done all the giving to us that is the case in my case I was with the ragdoll 20 years before I started breeding and I chose to breed the ragdoll because I was with it with the breed 20 years and I knew that I could be a benefit um of a good benefit to the breed so um um we we are really doing justice of of doing good for these animals you, you really are. I mean, we have our own ragdoll starfire from you. And uh, she has, as you described, she was extremely affectionate. Uh, really, really dog-like. I mean, there's not a ton of difference between her and our chihuahua other than she doesn't bark as much. And, uh, that's so awesome. No, and... You want to go? Okay. And yeah, I mean, there's so many, there's such a huge variety of different kinds of breeds of cat, dog, and every other kind of animal and yeah. when you take out breeders that equation, I agree with you. It takes that um, it takes that wonderful diversity of different behaviors, characteristics, and all these different things that would wouldn't disappear immediately, but would be gone fairly soon if there weren't people dedicated to upholding those That's kind right. of traditions. That's right, right. That's right. Um, it, it's very sad um, that this misconception is going around. It's going around very strongly. So I really appreciate the time to be able to speak on that, um, to really try to help educate. Um, you know, as another time I was involved um, in the animal activist situation um, is when I, you know, I did horse carriages in downtown Dallas for 20 years and things like that, like the horse carriages also are are not a bad thing and they also are attacked by the animal activists and people would literally walk up to me and tell me to set that horse free. <laughs> I was like, you don't know what you're saying. Um, you know, the horse is made to work for us um, as long as it's not overworked. So those of us that do that job properly, again, there are bad apples in the carriage industry that give everyone a bad name. But it doesn't mean they're all bad. Not everyone overworks their horse. Not at all. My horse has worked three days a week. So when they got out there, they were ready to rock and roll and they loved it because they were not overworked mm. so that's the whole key of you know here, here, here's the bottom line of any of this uh, that when anyone is a breeder or does an animal company 
especially in animals. Um, if you ever let dollar signs become what you're chasing, you just became a bad representative of what you're doing. You cannot do it for money because, I mean, yes, you've got to sustain yourself, but if money becomes what you're really seeking, you're going to start overbreeding your animals, and that's going to make you instantly one of the bad guys that you just said you're not going to be. So it, 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 the bottom line is you cannot chase money. You've got to, you really got to do what's right for the animal. I and mean, that's, that's discipline. That's hard to do. And believe me, it, it takes saying no. Um, I will not overcrowd my home. I will not um, overbreed something. I will do this right where you only allow these cats to have like one litter a year. Um, and it becomes a pleasurable thing. Um, so the, the health and happiness of these animals have to be first, and it's why the person doing it has got to be educated. You don't just jump into something and think, oh, I'm going to make a, make a bunch of money doing this. Certainly not. And that's the case for any company that anyone would start mm -hmm. that hopefully you have a love for it because you thoroughly understand it. Mm -hmm. So that is why you then start your company of passion is because you ended are really educated and that you would be a benefit to whatever industry you are starting your company. So if you have a passion for something, um, I highly recommend that you put in the work um, to start the company as long as you are educated um, in, in that field, then you will you will achieve it. Just stick with it and you will achieve it and it will be great. Right. And I think that's a beautiful message that you're saying here, which is that you're not you're not in this line of work to just for the dollar signs. In fact, it, it almost sounds like if you wanted the maximum dollar signs, you might this line of work isn't isn't a terribly That's great right. option for That's you. That's right. And, and animals animals are not the way to go. <laughs> <laughs> but but it's it's really in pursuit of it's really that you're working for your passion. You're working for a, a higher purpose, which is the welfare of these animals and to bring joy to all these different kind of families that get to have something that they otherwise wouldn't, wouldn't be able to experience without dedicated breeders such as yourself. And the money is, is just more of a way that you will almost provide for yourself to be able to keep doing that and keep and right. be able to sustain that high standard of excellence. Exactly. You know, there's a lot of expenses that people don't realize in this industry. Again, the animal industry, but in any um, any company you're going to start, um, you you have to buy your your initial say equipment. Um, let's say it's a computer company, you got to buy all those different computer equipment. Um, so I'm constantly investing high dollars to the tune of multiple thousands um, in good cats, and I mean traveling the world to go bring to go to Italy to go to um, Germany. Uh, even Japan, I mean, all over the world, that we go get good good cats of different pedigrees. That's what great breeders do to be to be sure that our pedigrees are diverse. That's what that's what makes the breed great is that we bring all of these pedigrees from all around the world and get that into our home um, to to do these combinations that are really improving the breed so um, we breed to improve the breed or you don't do it um, but again and that so our, our our investments are in multiple thousands of, in, of dollars constantly investing in all kinds of different things 
in the breeding world. That would be the case for any horse, dog, or cat. Um, the animal industry is just a lot of constant investing, and it ours never goes away. Ours never stops. Um, but maybe so that's why other types of companies might be a little, or at least the initial investment of. And it's always a, a that's the challenge of starting a company because of the, of the initial large investment. But at least you can remember that at least you're not an animal industry where it never stops. Um, so um, other companies of passion would be um, just the initial investment far better than um, an animal industry. Mm-hmm. And and I might have an unpopular opinion, but this is my opinion. I think that. In general, whenever something costs some, when it costs a lot, or when it costs something, and, and it's like your hard-earned money, and you are putting that into something you care about, you cherish it more. Not just because it's a financial thing, but there is that added that that there's like an added thing to it that you take care of it not like if you just go somewhere you just get something and then you're like oh i don't want it anymore like when they're old and you give them back right so yeah. it's your classic that's right. sunk cost uh, that's, a, that's a that's a really interesting point um um those of us in this industry for long periods of time we've actually proven that um for example we don't ever just give away our um our cherished older cats not older but like five years old that we may have had here for breeding and that we i don't breed beyond i don't breed my girls beyond five years old mm-hmm. um so then we, i spay them and they can 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 go be a pet for someone finding the right home is very difficult i don't um, i won't give you the guidelines it's quite extensive um it's why i have some older i mean some of my um breeding cats still here my motto is I just need a bigger house. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. um, um, but, um, but we've proven to not give those cats away, to always charge, um, depending on the age of that, of that um, female cat, probably anywhere uh, all the way up to 500, even $500 or something, um, that it, it's proven that when you invest in something financially, you do. You um, it, it 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 you have uh, it has more more value to you or something right? rather than just being free. So mm-hmm. I don't know why that is. Like you said, we yeah. can't quite explain that. It's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've noticed it. Like in general, with anything, I've noticed it. That's why like brands like Louis Vuitton and I don't know like high end brands they can charge exorbitant amounts, and then you see like people holding on to those purses close to the chest it's like that it just it is uh, something if because it was so much you really care about it additionally right i think that i think there's the you know like like keepsakes um and and anything um you know even things like family heirlooms can have that kind of effect too Uh but then that that's a that's an example of um fine that made that that piece valuable so and that is again something invested in in the piece so Mm -hmm. you're right right because i think i think it's oftentimes easy to think of money as being you know money as a financial tool Uh but uh it's 
but money in a lot of people's psychology and i, and I think you might agree with this mm-hmm. my my uh, therapist wife yeah <laughs> that uh, money has a lot of emotional power as well you yeah, know because yeah, right, it because right, typically right. people spend you know people trade the vast majority of people trade their the time for money and so that represents an that represents a true investment mm-hmm. of their time towards getting this thing that they want well thank you so much dana for hopping on uh, we we don't have a whole lot of time left for our 30 minute segment. I just want to finish up with one last question here. To all the people out there who might be struggling with finding purpose in their work or finding their life's kind of passion, what, what kind of advice do you have for them to f- think about how they might want to go about doing that or how, how, how to accomplish this kind of find this life, find this uh, passion or purpose for them? Yeah, um, I just want to say that I think there's nothing more fulfilling, nothing. Um, life is short. Um, we don't have, um, it, it's, we don't get a do-over, not in my book. Um, so um, really, I think it's so important actually to put your time even if you have to work another job to support yourself and you have to go do, go do that job that on the side that you develop um, a, a company of your passion. Um, if, it's, if it's doing art, if it's doing stained glass, if it's doing computer, if it's doing um, whatever, the, the, the list could be endless, of course, so I won't try to do that. But <laughs> I just think it's so important that you really invest in, in doing that for, for your life. So that's, that's the best I can say it is, um, do the hard work and, and do it. You'll be happy you did. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. wonderfully said. Well, thank you so much for your time, Dana. Uh, she is a breeder of ragdolls in Tool, Texas. And you can actually, if you ever, you can actually go see her website at uh, blossomragdolls.net. Uh, I'm not sure if she has any litters right now, but she did have one a couple. Uh, she did have one available a couple weeks ago, which is where we picked up our fabulous kitty. And and I'm and if you have any questions about uh, her breeding or if you want to check out her ragdolls, uh, you can visit her over her email. And she also has a Facebook, I believe, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I've Blossom ragdolls on Facebook. Um, you can actually email me through my website. Mm-hmm. Okay. Excellent. Sounds good. Well, thank you so much for hopping on, Dana. We really appreciate thank your time. You. Thank you, Thank Dana. You, Thank you, Donna. Love you all. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Bye. 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 Thanks for tuning in today's episode, listeners. If you have any questions, concerns, or simply want to drop a line to your host, Tony Shu, you can feel free to contact me through the BBS Radio website or send me an email directly to Tony at ShoeCapital.co. That's Tony at ShoeCapital with an A dot C-O. Thank you very much and have a great night.